Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join us in the conversation. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us again for Conversations for Life. We are really excited to have an honored, uh, fun guest with us today, Randall Goodgame, who is uh, the singer and artist and mastermind behind Slugs and Bugs, is with us today to talk about music, faith, and all things involving hobbits as well. Uh, Randall, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jonathan. So great to be here. So Randall, you just got back from New Zealand, and we were talking a little bit before uh, the, the, this conversation about your trip there. So what was it like to enter into the land of Middle Earth? Yes. So we've been back about a week, and uh, I'm so glad you asked. It was just as wonderful and just delightful as people say. We, my mm-hmm. wife decided that New Zealand is a country that in the b- very best way does, can't decide what it wants to be. Uh, because there it's got like snow-capped mountains, but also palm trees. It's a lot like California in some ways. It's just all, you know, squared. Yeah, this teeny tiny island, kind of out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean by itself, too. Yeah, so it was wonderful. And for anyone that's a Lord of the Rings fan, you know, it was just wonderful. Yeah, actually, I was just just wondering if you got to see some of the, like the sets or the setups, like the Shire, is that there? Can you go to it? We did the whole bit. We went to um, the Weta workshop where they made all the stuff. We saw the one suit of armor that Theoden King wore in battle. Oh, no way. <laughs> Watch him getting dressed, you know, when he's all despairing. We saw the actual helmet and armor of Sauron. And- did you see the one ring to rule them all? I didn't see the one ring, although they they had one that they said was one of the ones that they used. but. But uh, evidently, they gave it to Elijah Wood at the end of the thing. So, Oh, really? But And then, of course, we went to the Shire. We went to the set, which has wow. 44 hobbit holes and an actual real garden. Uh, we went to Bag Inn, the whole bit. We, we sat under the party tree and looked at the stars. We went, oh, my gosh. Uh, the Green Dragon. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So basically, New Zealand kind of said, hey, we're going to turn this into a real like thing that people come and do. It's, instead of just closing up shop and tearing everything down, they kept it all there for the most part. Well, what happened, they did the first three movies, and then they tore it all down. Um, but people started coming to the set just to see where it had been filmed. Like thousands of people. So it was getting visitors already. So then when they made the Hobbit movies, they decided to build the set permanently instead of just doing it out of like plywood and, and pretending oh okay they built the real they built it for real so that the hobbit holes you can go in and and um the they spread it out so it doesn't look like a movie set it looks like hobbits live there that's so cool i was just yeah. geeking out <laughs> and it sounds like you are too you are so do, do you get to go to bag in like can you walk that's in and they don't let you in but you stand in front of the fence you know where it's right right there at the gate where it says the you know no admittance and then, you know, there's you're standing right there where Bilbo and Gandalf are smoking the pipes. And, uh, one thing I'll tell you, the people out there listening, they're Lord of the Rings fans. Um, that scene where, where um, 
Ian McKellen mm-hmm. and Bilbo blows the smoke ring and then Gandalf blows the ship that threw it, you know, they're supposedly sitting at sunset just before the party. But in reality, the sun doesn't set over there. It sets on the mm-hmm. other side. So they, they got up early before the sun rose and shot that scene at sunrise to make it look like sunset. Because it's basically the same thing in reverse. Yeah, so that was brilliant. Anyway, we had lot. There was lots of like little behind the scenes things like that. But and we could do a whole podcast on that if you want. <laughs> I was so of course, yeah. That's just so fun. And I guess are your kids all Lord of the Rings fans, or some of them kind of not interested, or some of them were they all bought into it? You know, heart, mind, and soul. Okay, yes, they are all so into it. My oldest daughter, who's eighteen, she taught herself um, Tolkien's Elvish. So she, Whoa. you can write anything you want in like beautiful Elvish script. We did we a workshop. We spent, uh, we did a little hands-on um, thing where we did some leather working. And I, she wrote my wife's name in Elvish on this little leather piece that I now have as a keychain. That's mm. awesome. Crazy. That's really special. There's, yeah. so, there's so many levels of uniqueness and specialness there. Yeah, it was really That's cool. So do they have any sets from like the Elvish, you know, um, is that all just special effects, the the different Elvish kingdoms and Rivendell. whatnot? Yeah, Rivendell and all that. So yeah, there there were small parts of it that were built as sets, but they, there are places you can go all over New Zealand where they shot sort of, you know, forest scenes. I love that scene where they've just started out on their journey and they're kind of on a, a hilltop and um, Boromir is kind of play fighting with some of the hobbits and then the birds come over, you know, but the, the, um, the scenery, just the sweeping panorama is just so gorgeous. I would love to see that spot. I don't know if it's really as amazing in person, but. We drove past Mount Doom. (laughs) (laughs) That is an epic phrase to be able to say. Yeah, it was amazing. And on your left, Mount Doom. Watch out, kid. Be good or you'll go to Mount Doom. Uh, what was so wonderful and, and fun about it is the road that we're on was was going through this wasteland looking area. I mean, it was it was akin to what where you see them fight the battle. So, so it actually does kind of look like that. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Wow, I feel like, I feel like that this episode should be sponsored by New Zealand or something because I want <laughs> yes, to go now. Right. Yeah, firing <laughs> me. Yeah, man. Awesome. Not a commercial. Well, we could definitely go into much more greater detail. And that's awesome of your daughter that she knows Elvish. I'm super jealous. Um, but Randall, so just uh, for our listeners who maybe uh, have loved your music and just want to know more about you or for folks who have said, I've never even heard of Slugs and Bugs. Can you just tell folks a little bit about who you are and your journey of kind of how you got to this point and Slugs and Bugs and, and what led you to do all of this? Sure. So I've been doing Slugs and Bugs for about 10 years. And before that, I was uh, a singer-songwriter for myself and for other people. I wrote lots of songs for others. And if you trace the through line of of uh, what brought me to Slugs and Bugs was, like, I guess it was 2006, I made a record of kids' songs with my buddy Andrew Peterson. Andrew and I had talked for years about making a record out of a bunch of little songs we had written for our kids and we were touring together. And we finally did it in 2006. And then sometime in 2007, VeggieTales got a hold of it and asked us if we would write silly songs for them, which, of course, we were taking out because we um, had raised our kids on VeggieTales, which, you know, was just a delightful new thing in the world when we were having kids. 
but it was writing songs for them that helped me really realize how much I loved making stuff for parents and kids. It it really uh, sort of hit me at some point when they someone was talking about the reach of of Veggie Tales and how they what they imagine you know kids and parents sitting down watching these things together. And I thought it just it just hit me so hard, like what that just was so inspiring to me to think, my goodness, you get to speak to a parent and a child at the same time um, with whatever you create. Uh, so for us, writing silly songs, we had you know five minutes in the middle of a DVD, but that moment was so inspiring that it it was I think the beginning of the germ of inspiration to think, okay, that I could spend my life um, inspired by that moment. That's awesome. And so I have so far <laughs> thinking about making stuff that will inspire both parents and kids and be good for them to listen to together um, for a multitude of ways. Well, you know, so I think one of, one of the things that I have loved about Slugs and Bugs, and, and this is maybe going to sound a little bit uh, cynical, but a lot of Christian art is just not, has not historically, I think, been very good. And, you know, music wise, some of it can be kind of corny, but what I love about Slugs and Bugs is it's actually really good music. And, and adults do want to, you know, so many things are, are targeted at kids. Adults just want to plug their ears and, you know, go away because it's just so obnoxious to them. But Slugs and Bugs is great for adults and kids. And so, you know, I, I'd be curious if from, as an art form, how has that been an adventure for you as a Christian artist and, and musician? You know, it's funny. Um, I totally know what you, what you mean. And originally, the reason why Andrew and I, one of the reasons we made that first record was because we weren't satisfied with the music that was out there for our kids to listen to marketed to them. But at the same time, um, what I've, what I kind of always done with my career is I try to not approach anything as if I was making things um, for a Christian market, but just try to make beautiful things. And, um, and I think it is easy. I know what you mean. And it's easy to agree. A lot of times art made for a Christian market can sometimes be below par but um if you broaden it for a minute the definition and just say art made by christians then suddenly it changes because there's tons of right. art made by christians yeah. that isn't for the christian market and so i think when when i began doing this um i sort of committed to myself not to be um not to be inspired or to to be directed by a market, but just by people. Mm. So I Mm. want, I want, when I'm making records, um, I'm thinking about particular people, um, parents and kids and uh, particular families and thinking about like this one kid and what sort of, sort of things that they like, or, Oh, I know this will make him laugh. Um, (laughs) And that way, somehow by making it really personal, it's easier to avoid the temptations of trying to fit into a marketplace. Right. Just doing good work for the glory of God and let that fall where it may. Right. Right. What she said. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's usually what I say as well. Yeah. What she said. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's off to work. Do good work for the glory of God. Well, so just uh, personally, like, so you, you've been married. How long, how how long you been married? So we've been married 22 years. Awesome. Uh, we got married in January of 97. So this is 2019. Yeah. So this is, we're in our 23rd year. Awesome. And how many kids do you have? Three kids. Our oldest is 18 and leaves for college, like I said, in less than two weeks. 
And then that's our daughter. And then our boys are 16 and 12. They're so much older now than some of the albums when we listen to them where they have your kids in them, you know? They've, they've grown up. Well, I know. It's funny. I had, uh, it's funny having things out there on the internet for people to watch. Um, and they sort of think, oh, this is who I'm listening to. And when I go to the concert, that's who I'm going to see. But I recently, I had a kid, oh, I guess it wasn't recently, maybe a year ago. I had a kid come up to the merch table afterwards to get me to sign CDs and take a picture. And, it was, you know, he was probably five. And he looks right at me and he goes, you are so old. <laughs> it was so awesome because I'm sure he'd been looking at old YouTube videos where I still had brown hair and mm-hmm. you know, playing with my little kids. But am I, I got a full head of gray hair now and wrinkles and all that business. So, yeah, you got to be careful what you what what you know, yeah, I guess not care too much. Well, and I'm sure your kids too, because I know in some of the earlier albums, they're they're in there and they're kids, and so people probably get surprised to think your kids are going to college now. I know, yeah. People say this is Livy from Livy. Livy does, and <laughs> right, uh, right, yeah, yeah. She toured with me this whole year. She toured with me all spring. Um, That's awesome. And then we just did our last concert together this past weekend in Rochester, New York, and um, and yeah, she's. Uh, it's really fun for me to watch, you know, her people come and recognize her from, from YouTube videos from when she was little. <laughs> so is she hoping to go into music or is she looking at doing something else? No, she is a great little fiddle player and a great singer, but she doesn't really know what she wants to do yet. She thought maybe she might be going to production, but she is really interested in, in languages. Like you saw, like I said, she, taught herself she is pretty good at spanish and is interested in the way that language influences culture um so she could go into that but she also is artistic and likes to draw and likes fashion design so we'll just have to wait and see what the lord reveals i told her i didn't know what i wanted to do when i was about 35 so she's got time right yeah yeah plenty of time well and that that's a really neat opportunity for you both to tour together, to have that relationship, for her to get to be involved in this. And as we said, one thing that we love, it sounds like that's been your goal, and it's definitely happened, is that this is a chance for parents and children to enjoy and love something together. And we do. We have these dance parties where we're singing the songs and um, just having a blast. And you know, one of the things you've really noticed is you have a lot of fun and silliness in your music. Um, Obviously, you did silly songs for VeggieTales too, but and some of the Slugs and Bugs music is very, um, it has a very serious message, but there's a lot of fun and there's a lot of silly as well. And so, I wanted to get your thoughts about um, your sense of the value for parents letting kids be silly and even being silly along with your kids. Yes, well, a few different places on online, um, we have our tagline listed, which is "Silliness is next to godliness." nice i haven't seen that that's great yes which is and i'm glad you asked about it because it's very it is very important to me i grew up in a home that was very sincere nobody ever like made fun of anybody else or there was like joking It, it was just it wasn't a a um sad or somber home but it was kind of serious like my parents weren't really big they weren't funny people and so the only times that really we, we would all get to laughing was whenever there was something silly. 
like uh, um, the Muppets or, um, you know, or Bugs Bunny, things that were where actually it's funny, sincerity starts to work for you because silliness really only works when it's the most sincere. Like if you really, if someone is in like a horse mask, but they're just going through the grocery store line like everybody else, that's when it's really funny. <laughs> right. If they're neighing and like clopping about, it's not quite as funny. It's got its own little nonsense. So, uh, so I was kind of raised up on that. And for, for my kids, it's, it's so easy for them. They love silliness. I think partly because it's sincere and it's not, it's not ever at anyone else's expense. Children are so kind-hearted, they don't want to do things at other people's expense um, unless they're wounded themselves. So uh, I, I love that kids, since it's their, it's practically their second language, their native language, silliness. When you speak it to them, they just light up. They're like, oh, yes, I know what to do with this. Uh, I remember our kids, when we were little, we would sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And they would say, Twinkle, twinkle, little apple juice, how I want you, apple juice, you know, just messing something up for fun. And they would just cackle, you know, like little boys in the world. And then as they grew older, it would change to different things. And, um, and every kid went through it. So it's hugely valuable for me as a way to just be with my kids and have fun, which sometimes as an adult, you sort of forget how to do that. But also on this, on like, you know, a life skills, spiritual side of things. Um, and I talk about this a lot in concert and uh, it happens in the gospels where Jesus says to the disciples, unless you come to me like a child, then you can't come to the kingdom. I think we sometimes forget to take that seriously. Like what a, I mean, how many other times in scripture does Jesus say, here's an ultimatum. So my radar, my antenna go up for that. And one of the ways that we are supposed to be like children in that way, I'm sure, is that our ch children are totally dependent, right? They're totally dependent on their parents. If we think of God as our father, then we, he, Jesus wants us to be totally dependent on, totally honest, totally ourselves in front of them. So angry, sad, all the things. Um, but if I want to take it even further, and I think that children delight in silliness, then it helps me to remember or at least to connect with the fact that I'm a child when I'm silly, when I'm being silly. Because you can't take yourself too seriously when you're being silly. And our, as adults, we're so, uh, we're, we're so prone to taking ourselves seriously. You know, everybody's got a little, a little spot about themselves that they don't want, you know, someone to laugh at. And we take ourselves seriously at our own expense in other words it's not good for us to do that jesus in order for us to forget about ourselves we have to decide that ourselves aren't that important and what's important who jesus is and what he wants from us so if we're ever going to put down our own ambitions and our own desires and we've got to take ourselves less seriously in order to do that and so silliness is almost like discipleship practice because when you're being silly, you have to forget about yourself, just like Jesus demands. Anyway, that's a long, long way round of a bunch of different ways that I feel like silliness is very important. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a, a great reflection on that. And, you know, as we were talking, I was just thinking 
silliness is kind of the antidote to pride because pride is so strong in our lives, but silliness puts some of that down. And, you know, just even for myself, I know it's very hard for me to be playful with my children. In fact, that's one of my goals for our family for this year is being more playful with the kids, especially. And so, wow, that's a great goal. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a challenge for me. I'm pretty serious, but um, it, they connect so well and they respond so amazingly when we're playful and it, it does really good things to the environment of our home. I absolutely relate to that because even though, you know, I grew up loving silliness, there is a part of me with how I was raised, which maybe struggles to, to, um, to play in some of those really silly ways, or I used to, I'm better at it now. But I remember when, when my kid, the older kids were young, like five and three years old, um, our very first pets that we ever had were two little goldfish. And they each got a goldfish and Livy named hers Rocket and Jonah named his Awesome Dude. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so we had these two little fish and kept them in the living room. And they loved them. We used to feed them and all that stuff every day. And everything was, you know, fun for the little kids. And then one day, just uh, not thinking about it, I started to talk in as if I was the fish. And like using a little voice going like, oh, um, oh, this is delicious. Thank you. Can I have some more, please? (laughs) Oh, what's this? So uh, a little... uh, a little rock. I like this little rock. And as I was talking in the fish's voice, my kids just started to lose it. They <laughs> were laughing so hard mm-hmm. and it didn't matter what I said. And I remember getting um, nervous. Once I started laughing, I kept it up for a minute, but then I thought um, I, I ran out of things to say. So I, I stopped. And they were like, oh, no, dad, keep going, keep going. And I was like, I, I don't have anything else to say. And then another, like the next day or later on or something, they asked me to do it again. And so I did it again. And, you know, I had, a, you know, uh, used the circumstances that were around. Oh, well, how did I get into this little box? And, and uh, even little voices. But then after a few minutes, I ran out of things to say again. And. They just begged and pleaded, and I just, uh, I kept going, and it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter. It made no sense. As long as I just kept talking, they were all in imagining that it was the fish. And I could just say, and here I'm swimming, and now I'm swimming some more. And Oh, look over here. Oh, I've just turned. What? Isn't it wonderful how my fins work? Like, just it didn't matter they loved it so much and i remember that as this being as being this benchmark sort of watershed moment for me that i didn't have to be an expert to be silly with my kids i didn't really have to know what i was doing i could just play and that was more than enough so when you were talking about wanting to find ways to try to play and be silly i've always been encouraged myself about that memory because it just reminds me of how low the bar is for having fun with your kids. Like they just want to be with you and they, and they getting them getting to see you be silly and just like take down the adult disciplinarian, you know, making the food and 
and deciding what t- bedtime time is, that person gets to just kind of be on pause. And this other part of your personality gets to shine. And it's so uh, wonderful for them. Um, but then at the same time, as we allow it, as we allow ourselves to sink in to it, it is wonderful for us too. It is. And I love how you said the bar is so low because I think some people feel like I can't do this. I don't know how to do this and I'll look ridiculous. Well, yes, <laughs> kind of the point, but the kids will love it. Yeah. No matter what you say, you can be talking about a fish turning with its fins and they're absolutely delighted. And Jonathan, you love to do little funny sounds with the, the baby twins when we're reading and they are just absolutely delighted. They want to do it a million times over and over again. And it's well, that's why it's so yeah. fun with the, you know, with the slugs and bugs music, um, especially some of the funnier songs, you know, as we're singing those along with the kids, like we love uh, the Pico de Gallo song. I mean, I yes. love that song, you know, the, the, the Mexican, <laughs> Mexican Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yes. Yeah. Love that song. You know, love the, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't quiet, well, they're going to turn your beacon to Pico de Gallo. Love that song. But as we're singing <laughs> that with our kids, they, they think, wow, like, you know, mom and dad are being silly too. They think this is funny too. And so, you know, that's why that's one way this, that Slugs and Bugs helps do that with parents is to be playful with your kids. Cause you're singing these, you know, ridiculous songs about, you know, where's my bunny underwear, you know, under the ceiling on top of the floor, you know, and as you are laughing at that, cause it's funny, your kids go, wow, m- mom and dad think that's funny. That's great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can kind of all be the same. For a minute mm-hmm. and just that humor yeah. humor is so good for a family i mean i don't know how you survive as a family without humor you know because um it's just you you all live you know close together and and humor has got to come out um so you have done a lot of uh, your more recent albums have been a lot of scripture uh slugs and bugs seen the bible and you know of course we love those and some of them are, are, are really fun songs i've had the song about um do not eat anything that you find already dead. You know, give it to the alien. That's been in my head all day thinking about this interview. Um, and so <laughs> love those songs. Um, but would love just to hear, hear your thoughts about like how, why have you, is that like a permanent direction you're going in or just sort of you're going to go back and forth a little bit between sillier songs and Bible songs or kind of what's the, what's the game plan with regard to that element of slugs and bugs? Sure. Well, I started out doing it for my own kids. I was, we were homeschooling. And I was in charge of like Bible teaching and memorization, and, and I just couldn't get them to do it. They, they, it was just, you know, which it shouldn't have been a surprise. It's hard for me to do it. So um, I wrote, after a few weeks of failure, I wrote a song for Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And they just, they just memorized it immediately. They just sang it right back to me. And then the next week, we added a new verse, and they still remembered the last week's verse. And um, so, uh, long story short, after I'd done those, a bunch of those for our kids, I'd already been doing Slugs and Bugs for a couple of years and thought, well, let me just do one album of some of these verses that I've written for my kids, and maybe it'll bless families like it's blessed ours. And uh, it it really just proved to be such a valuable tool for families that inspired me to keep doing it. And over time, it's become such a valuable piece of my own personal uh, spiritual life and growth because every time I write a song I'm, I'm memorizing the word and the passages come to me when they when I need them um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, so I continue to do it I will continue to do it for 
for years to come. I haven't done, I haven't released a Silly Songs record since 2011. So um, this past spring, I actually recorded a bunch of new Silly Songs. Ooh, okay, fun. fun. But then we're going to do another Sing the Bible. It'll be volume four um, here next spring. So I will, I'll continue to do it as long as uh, I can continue to make music because it's just so valuable to me. And it's um, proved to be really valuable for other families too. It's something that I happen to be somewhat gifted at doing that serves people really well. So why would I ever want to stop? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's very helpful for scripture memory. And as we said before, these are beautiful, it's beautiful musically too, um, and fun. Uh, but but for, for memorizing scripture, it's incredibly effective. And, and for me too, and actually, you know, even this morning, the kids and I, we were doing scripture memory and uh, we were using music and the little ones can memorize big passages pretty easily. And it does come back to us. We're going around the house singing, you know, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's that's actually not a slugs and bugs one, I don't think. But um, but we, it's very very effective. And we've talked about this before with Cross Life. Just the power of using music to memorize scripture to get that into your mind and into your heart, and for that to change who you are. And so that that's incredibly powerful. There is something really deeply supernatural, I think, about. Uh, music and how it it's just gets into us um and the uh, how the lord uses it um you know someone can read you the lyrics to a song but then if they sing the song it will move you in a totally different way or you can you know have heard a passage read um you know a dozen times but then with a really uh well-suited melody it brings something new to to your mind it was always in the scripture but somehow music helps us to see more of what's there yeah it's the inherent power of art mm -hmm. so. well you know kathleen um has a really funny story actually about that song <laughs> the alien song you know the uh you make you know don't eat anything that you find already dead which is what is that from leviticus i can't deuteronomy, recall Deuteronomy, baby deuteronomy fourteen twenty one. that's awesome so kathleen has a really funny story about that yeah so um i had the album on my phone and i went to the doctor's office and i was waiting and waiting you know in the little room and so i just was playing music because um i was just passing the time sure. and um I was playing kind of loud. Anyway, the doctor comes in and it's on that song. So it's, uh, do not eat anything you find already dead, but you may give it to the alien living in your town. And it's, it's like over and over again, do not, do not eat, you know? And so, and so like, I can't even get to my phone in time to turn it off. And the doctor's just trying to talk to me over the music, but he's kind of looking at me, looking at the music, looking at my phone. It's like, you can give it to the alien living in your town. And I was like, he must think I'm part of a cult. I don't even know what he thinks, but it was hilarious. Finally, I managed to, but like we spent some time just trying to talk over this, this music, but that was great. That was a good, that was a good moment there. Yeah. You wonder <laughs> what he's thinking. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just, you know, part of the reason um, I try to, well, let me start over by saying of all part of, the ethos of slugs and bugs has always been 
um, wanting to have fun and be silly. And when I first started doing scripture songs, I really, it was important to me to try to find a way, if, if at all possible, to have fun um, with, in the context of scripture. And uh, the trick would, was always going to be, can, can we find a way to do it without being irreverent? Because of course, um, scripture is, is dear to me. And um, so with each record, I've tried to find a way to just have fun. And what that, what that song it does a lot of things. One, uh, the fact that Sally Lloyd-Jones comes on there and, and corrects me helps us to, uh, to in a maybe a subconscious way, to um, reckon with how easy it is to misinterpret Scripture and how very often it's helpful to have a friend nearby or someone that you can trust to say, hey, what does this mean? Because this is confusing. Um, but it's also really just nice to have something fun uh, in. and uh, and as a conversation starter for someone to say, wait, what's what's this what's this about? That's definitely a conversation starter, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of also just really moving, gorgeous uh, songs, yeah. and and the revelation that Sally Lloyd Jones is not who she appears to be was quite shocking in that song. Um, <laughs> so yeah, well, we we have, we have, so we've been hugely blessed um, by all of your music. I'm I'm curious, you know, for you, like, what have you, you know, I mean, you you obviously tour all over the place. How has that been for you? How's that opened your own eyes? Just seeing, you know, you go to all all these cities and churches and play. Like, how has that how has that changed you uh, as an artist and as a, as a Christian, going to all these places and connecting and you you know using your music? How has that how's that been? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is <clears throat> touring has given me such a great appreciation for the, the work of the gospel that's going on all over the place all the time by, by people that will never be heralded um, or have, you know, um, uh, you know given an, a round of applause at the end of their workday. But there, there's so much good, gospel-loving, gospel-centered work happening in every corner of the world all the time every day and it's easy sometimes maybe to to be discouraged in 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 your own isolated circumstances because we all go through ups and downs but one thing traveling all over the country and all over the world has really just brought to bear in my mind is um whether i'm in i was just in new zealand we were in churches there or I've been to Singapore and Malaysia and Indonesia, and Scotland and England and Northern Ireland and all over the U.S. and Canada and, and everywhere you go where you find yourself around the kingdom of God, there are people that are working to make his name known, to lift his name high, to say, this, this gospel has saved my life and continues to save me. Jesus is real and, and trust him and they want their children to trust him and we're, we're all in the struggle together to make his name known and to also let his light shine through us by submitting ourselves to him every day. But the, the just the vastness of the, um, the family of God in the world is so encouraging and so uh, real. So that's, that's one thing that touring around the churches all over the country continues to influence me or impact me. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Hey, man, what a, what, a, what a great way to close, I think. I, I can't think of anything better to close than on that, except that I would love to find out if you happen to have any 
Um, Dave, so when will your new album be out? The, what it's called, or how can folks go and check it out? Any kind of preview, or what's? Uh, do you have any any info yet about that new album coming out? Um, well, it's funny. I don't, but we have. I do have. There's a lot happening in the Slugs and Bugs world this fall, you guys. Um, we hadn't talked about any of it, but uh, uh, this year I'm releasing four children's books through Lifeway. Oh, I've actually seen uh, that on your website too. You're sharing about your books you're releasing. Yeah, so two came out this past fall, and oh, sorry, two came out this past spring, and there's two more coming out in the fall that are picture books, you know, for early readers, and, and like reading along with your kids. The, these these the first two were Doug and Sparky books, Doug the Slug and Sparky the Lightning Bug, and the next two are. Um, books inspired by the sowers the society of, of extraordinary raccoon society yes, yes. perfect <laughs> yeah so they uh, as you as it sounds like you know they're the, the society of extraordinary raccoon society shows up on a couple slugs and bugs records does sally and shark then, bug uh show up in the in the stories as well not sally but morty morty does as well as a margaret maggie um but uh those two books, the two sewers books, come out this fall. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that's 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 a really fun song. I I enjoy the um, Morty here just gave his pinball machine away. I think is what the the, the line is, and something about wee hairless cat. <laughs> yeah. So okay, the, uh, Morty, um, but that voice that you hear of Chauncey is actually Andrew Peterson voicing the. Oh, okay, the, okay. And that the wee hairless cat—that's a pastor friend of mine, Glenn Johnston from. From Northern Ireland, so those books come out. I think at the end of October, okay. um, and then also maybe the end of September, we're releasing a Slugs and Bugs TV show. Seriously? Get out! Yeah, it's on uh, Right Now Media. We recorded it this spring. It's live action. You know, people like I'm the host, and there's puppets, kind of like uh, Muppety puppets that are like walking around with you. You know, they're, they're it's Doug mm -hmm. and Sparky. Morty and Maggie the raccoon yeah. and then we have guests that come in every episode and it's uh in the slugs and bugs workshop where we're just making fun stuff and also talking about the gospel here and there and I usually have a guest show up in every episode a, a human guest so is, will that be an ongoing project or is that kind of you're going to do 10 episodes and that'll be it or is it going to be ongoing we did 13 episodes but we're very hopeful that um, we'll be able to do a season two that's a lot going on. That's exciting. Well, I, we are we are super uh, looking forward to it for ourselves with the new music and and uh, on our site. Um, hey, Randall, thank you so much for coming on, and and I really am excited to get to share with others about all the work that you're doing with Slugs and Bugs. Thanks very much for having me. Hey, folks. Yeah, and so check out slugsandbugs.com if you're curious about touring dates or other projects they have going on. And for us here, at Conversations for Life. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can go to visit our website www.crosslifetoday.org. Everyone out there, we hope you guys have had a great day and been blessed by this conversation. Y'all take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel using your preferred podcast app and join us again next week. Conversations for Life is a listener-supported ministry of CrossLife. CrossLife exists to equip and empower married couples and parents to cultivate life in the home. For more information and additional resources mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website, crosslifetoday.org.
You can also find us on Facebook at Cross Life Resources, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, take care and God bless.